managers aren't out there scraping up ice poop. <laughs> Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast with a host that just popped a bunch of gum in his mouth before sitting down to record a podcast, the Rasafari Podcast. Yeah, seriously, I just did that, see? Okay, I'm going to throw that out now, though, because that is gross. Ugh, I'm so disappointed in myself for that. But now my mouth is gum-free and, uh, and y'all are saved, so no worries there, no worries there. But yes, welcome to the Rasafari podcast, and uh, I'm glad to have you here, or have you back, or have you for the first time, or whichever it may be. Um, some quick reminders at the top of this. Make sure you're following along at Rasafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Rasafari Pod on TikTok, and, um, you know, make sure you check out the website every once in a while, rasafari.com. We've got merch, we've got the episodes on there, we've got... I don't know, probably some words or something. I don't really spend much time on my own website. But um, yeah, there, there's stuff there. But there's merch, and it's really cool. And there's Poop Story merch, and there's regular Rasafari merch. And I just really like saying merch. I also like wearing my merch because it's really cool merch. Uh, also, my birth month is March, which kind of sounds like merch. No? All right. We're being goofy. But that's okay. That's okay. But hey, let's let's talk about the episode instead of of me just rambling, shall we? Actually... I lied. We're not going to do that quite yet <laughs> because I'm feeling salty right now. Uh, as I was sitting here recording this, I just got a message request from somebody who had already commented on something, one of my Rasafari reels on Instagram, uh, basically saying that all animals deserve to be out in the wild because, you know, as we all know, the wild is pristine and awesome and, uh, you know, takes care of all the animals. And that's why animals like snow leopards are totally not endangered. I roll. Anyway, uh, this person just sent me a message. And um, now, remember, we were discussing whether or not snow leopards are thriving in the wild. So let's see here. What did this person send me? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 pictures of, as far as I can tell, like two or three meals? There's some beef pot roast, there's some chicken wings, there's some uh, mac and cheese and mashed potatoes, I, I don't think that really proves the point, um, and some like turkey and gravy, I think. And uh, it says, these are some of your favorite animals on dem plates make you, lowercase you, wonder, with a capital W, doesn't it? No question mark. Uh, no. No, sir, it doesn't. And... I don't see any snow leopard on those plates. I'm don't get me wrong. I'm I'm grateful that I don't see any snow leopard on those plates. But um I just I don't understand the the idea. Look, I, I get that there are anti-captivity people out there, and that is, you know, one of the reasons this podcast exists. But whatever the heck argument that was supposed to be, well, you sent it to me while I was recording this. And so I'm just going to laugh to my entire audience about it. So, haha. But anyway, now that I've managed to be entertained by that, I actually will get to the episode here. Um, so if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I have been on a bit of a road trip, spent a week coming to California, and now I'm in California for a gig. And uh, I, I did an episode kind of recapping each day of the road trip. And I mentioned that um, you'd be hearing more from a lot of those facilities that I visited because I got to do interviews at them. And today is starting that series. So y'all are going to be coming across the country with me. Starting off by visiting an old favorite, the Akron Zoo. And today, I'm going to be bringing you our second interview with Kristen Scaglione 
a keeper who has been on here before and who is going to be on again. And I guess I kind of already said that, but whatever. Anyway, and is going to be awesome. No, seriously, though, Kristen is fabulous. So the last time that Kristen was on, she was a carnivore keeper at the Akron Zoo. And uh, if you haven't heard that episode yet, you may want to go check it out uh, before or after this one. It's it's not like a direct sequel, you know. Um, but that's episode 40 from back in season one. So you could go check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, she has since changed jobs for a better position at the zoo, but it did mean leaving those lovely grizzly bears that she loved so much and, and some of the other carnivores she was taking care of. So um, what does that mean? What does that feel like? What animals is she taking care of now? What cool stories does she have? That's We're going to touch on all of that. You're going to hear all the cool stuff. It's, it's going to be great. I, I, love, I love Kristen, and this is a really fun interview. You're also going to hear a name that if you've listened to Zoo News regularly, you hear pretty much every week because she always sends me stuff. Uh, Colleen Lenahan is the gift shop manager at the Akron Zoo, and um, she's awesome, and she comes up in conversation at least once or twice in this episode. So when, when you hear her get mentioned, that's who she is. She's a fan. She sends me stuff on zoo news all the time and she's just lovely so you'll get to hear about her a little bit more in the episode uh, i will tell you we were deep into our interview having a wonderful conversation when uh, it may have been mentioned to us that um the room was only reserved for so long and we had to get out of there in about 10 minutes so if the end of this interview seems a little abrupt it's because it was, but it's totally fine. It totally worked out. We made sure to get in the conservation organizations, the Rasafari poop story, poop story, and all that great stuff that you are used to towards the end of our interviews. So uh, no worries, but I did want to say that just in case. You know, I'm kind of worried that some of you are going to think I don't really care about birds because we're talking about birds and then it gets quick. But I do. I love them. They fly, except for the ones that don't. It's cool. So anyway, here is an ad and then we will get to it. But first, like I said, here's that ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. Okay, so here we are at the beginning of our road trip, unless you count last week's episode, which was the road trip, but I don't. So here we are at the beginning of our road trip at the Akron Zoo, talking to Kristen Scaglione. Enjoy, y'all. All right, so um, you've been here before, but for those who may have missed it, and if you did, shame on you, <laughs> tell me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. Uh, my name is Kristen. Uh, we are at the Akron Zoo in Ohio. I am currently the lead keeper for our avian team. Last time I was on this podcast, I was a carnivore keeper. So I was going to say, I'm very confused by that because bears don't fly. Yes. I went from the biggest animal in the zoo to some of the smallest animals in the zoo. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Um, but uh, so first of all, I have to ask you, because um, if I'm remembering correctly, and if not, that's why we edit these, yeah. um, Akron recently got re-upped for AZA accreditation Yes. with a perfect, perfect score. score. Yeah. How amazing is that? <laughs> yes. Okay. So tell me what goes into that and how much effort was put into that and, and how much bribery happened. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, Lots seriously, like, tell me about that. Seriously. Um, it's a lot of work and there's not going to be one person out there who has accreditation that's like, 
reaccreditation is a breeze. Um, but whenever we have reaccreditation, it's, you know, we're going in and not only making sure everything is sound, you know, like proper exhibits, proper welfare, um, all of the records, we have to go through those, make sure they're fine and everything is pristine. So like we're dusting the morning of like in animal areas where there's straw and like wild sparrows pooping on things. We're like, we got to dust today. <laughs> so it's just a ton of work. Um, but it is nice though, because we can kind of go back and, you know, check in on the stuff that we've maybe gotten complacent about over the past couple of years. Um, when we had accreditation, not this time, but the time before that, um, we had like an extra extension cord somewhere and they were like, it's extension cord. You can't, you can't use those all the time. So now we're like extension cord safety everywhere. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of work for months leading up to it. And then, you know, it just like gets here and then they're gone and it's like, okay, all that stress over nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing in this case, which is, which is just amazing. Um, yeah, I, I was so proud of y'all. Thanks. I mean, seriously, when they announced that, I, I literally cheered. It popped up on, I think, my Instagram. Um, I think possibly Colleen sent it to me, um, the the gift shop manager here, who is a fan. Hi, Colleen. And um, <laughs> and I, as soon, I literally cheered, like Yay. sitting on my Thank couch you. by myself in my like you know oversized red panda shirt that I sleep in because of course I do. <laughs> right. And I was like, woo, because that's just that's just so cool. And I always talk about how great the Akron Zoo is. Like it has been a topic on here a mm-hmm. lot. But like y'all went and proved it. So yeah, yeah, we're messing around now. Yeah. Congrats to the whole yep. team. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, you've been on the podcast before mm-hmm. and I, I rarely prep for interviews because I like to just make it a conversation. Yeah. Uh, but because you had been on, I re-listened to your episode okay. and I came up with all these topics of things to talk about and okay. follow up on <laughs> and all of them are carnivore related. Wow. So, um, Thanks for nothing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I just per, I switched teams purposely to just bamboozle you. I figured. I figured. I figured. You know, we we have we've stayed in touch a little bit since the episode. Yes. And somehow that weirdly never came up. So I think um, it's pretty like recent. It's pretty recent. This happened. Cool. All right. So seriously, yeah. all joking aside, let's get into this. Okay. So when did this happen? Um. So I moved teams in October. Okay. Um. It. The decision was made a little bit before then, but we didn't move teams until October. Um, And then, as I'm sure someone has told you, zookeeper staffing is always a challenge. So um, there's still times where I bounce back to carnivore every once in a while, especially with people being out sick. Um, But yeah, I was on carnivore for almost seven years so you know if you still have carnivore questions i'll happily talk about them <laughs> well um, no this opens up this opens up a whole new world i'm excited <laughs> this just became a bird episode so. yeah so um so working with the birds now um it's been a lot of learning um i worked with some birds uh, a few years ago we had we'd structure our teams a little differently so i worked with carnivores and birds um now it's all birds so yes very very different Okay, so why? Why did you make this choice? Um, so I, like I said, I'd worked with carnivores for a long time and I was really kind of itching to move further in my career um, and this was a lead keeper position opening oh, up. Oh, fancy. Um, so, and I thought I was ready to take the next step and maybe be in a leadership position. I've done a lot of leadership positions within um, AZAC, and um, I thought I could transfer that here. So managers must have agreed because they were like, yeah, Kristen, you would be a good lead. So um, it was a little bit of a lateral move and a vertical move. Okay. So, yeah. That's awesome. So what does lead keeper mean exactly? So our lead keeper positions are kind of like a middle person between the keeping staff and um, like the collections managers. So we are in the field two to three days and we're um, doing like administrative work two to three days. So I am trained on all of our bird areas, but I'm not like the 
principal keeper or like the primary trainer of any animals. Um, I do get to work with them, which I love. That would have been sad to leave that so quickly. Um, But I do, we like do a lot of the scheduling. We do a lot of um, coaching and uh, a lot of the other super boring administrative stuff that, you know, people don't actually want to do, but um, it's nice to have a keeper who actually like knows the needs of the keeping staff also be able to do that administrative stuff though. Oh, absolutely. I, um, you know, on my tour, I serve in a management capacity and as a actor and performer and drummer and all the things. And, um, (laughs) there are many times that I'm in a management meeting and a conversation is happening and everyone's getting excited about something and my eyes are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, so here's the perspective from the stage to what you just said. And, and, you know, it's nothing against those people. They're great at what they do. It's just a different perspective and a different understanding Mm -hmm. and um yeah no so that that makes a lot of sense yeah it's kind of nice having like the translator between two different levels like sometimes stuff goes on in management and keeping staffs like why did they decide that and then the the lead keeper can be like oh this is you know the thought process and where we landed and then vice versa as well so like the keeping staff is saying this they would like this or they like this and then we can tell the managers like hey this is or is not working so it's a, it's a new position within the past couple of years that we've um, instated at the zoo and it's working out pretty well. That's awesome. I love that. Um, now, so you said you spent about half the time doing paperwork and half the time doing animals. Yeah. Um, which part are you more into? Are you finding yourself loving the paperwork? Um, that's, it's hard because I don't want to be like, I don't like the animals anymore. Cause that's no, obviously Nobody will true. think that. Nobody will think <laughs> no, that. No, but like the older I get, the more like type A I've been getting. So I do like doing that administrative type stuff, um, a lot more. I think especially because I've been so involved, um, with AZAC, I've really gotten to see like the other side of animal care is just like the management of it and, the management of people and growing and stuff. So um, that's all really important to make the animal actual care side of it function. So I, I definitely like doing both. Cool. Now I noticed also that you mentioned that when you said you were, you know, had transitioned away from animals some of the time, mm-hmm. you said it would be hard to transition away right away. Completely. So yeah. So is the goal then to move into higher management? I mean, you're still, look again, not to bring up Colleen again, but I have to throw my fans out there and give some, <laughs> some shout outs, but she's the gift shop manager mm-hmm. and she knows about everything at the animals and knows about all the animals and talks about all the animals and loves yeah. the animals and, and is as connected to those animals as anybody on staff. So again, this isn't saying, do you want to stop loving animals? Um, (laughs) and no one will think that. And if they do to them, but, um, you know, uh, tell me, is that, is that the goal? Um, I don't know. I've got, I always go back and forth about it. Like when I first started my whole animal care career, it's like 10 years ago. I was like, I feel like I was like nine when that happened, but obviously (laughs) solidly in my twenties. But I was like, I want to go in and I want to be a curator. And that sounds awesome. And looking back, like, I don't know why I wanted that because our curators, they're just in meetings all day, every day. Um, Like some of them really do spend a lot of time out in the field helping us and doing projects, but um, it's not the same by any means of actually being in animal care and working. But then on the other side, um, today there's like a wind chill of six degrees. Managers aren't out there (laughs) scraping up ice poop. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, you know, I think like when you start off in animal care, it's like absolutely just want to touch and squeeze all of the animals. (laughs) But then as you get older and you're like, wow, I'm kind of, really tired today (laughs) it's like i don't want to be outside in the cold and doing physical labor so so i don't know no i totally get that i totally get that um you know i again i I like to tie things back to my own experiences Mm -hmm. and and um there was a day i have this distinct memory where I, i woke up fairly early and i started working on some paperwork for the tour and i worked on it until it was dark And I had put in more than your normal, like eight to five type day at the computer. 
And I was like, I sat back and I, and I had the like the back thing that you get when you work at a desk too long. Yeah. And I had the whole thing. And I went, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a drummer. What the hell just happened? <laughs> because like, yeah, you, you when you get into these other things, there are other sides to it, and it, it can get interesting, you know. Right. But also, like you said, that it, it pays better and it has other perks, and I'm not scraping up ice poop, which normally you don't have to do if you're a drummer. But whatever the Most drumming of the equivalent of ice poop is, you know, I get to avoid some of it, and right. um, and that that's all good. So okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and you keep talking about Azac, and anyone who listened to your first episode knows that you are obsessed. But um, in case people haven't, uh, Azac is. So ASAC is the American Association of Zookeepers. Uh, it's run on a national level. So there's like the overarching national association. And then there's like 150 uh, local chapters of ASAC. Um, so we obviously have one here at the zoo, Akron Zoo Chapter of ASAC, <laughs> if you couldn't figure that out. Um, and so I'm an officer for our chapter. And I'm also on the board of directors for the National Association. And because I thought that wasn't enough, I am the co-chair of next year's National AZAC Conference. So, yeah, I talk about AZAC a lot because it's my whole life outside of work. <laughs> Which, you know, it's also inside of work. So, yeah. Th- yeah. That too, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so what kind of stuff are you doing with AZAC? And how has COVID affected the stuff oh that AZAC gosh. can do? COVID has ruined us. No, really? I'm just kidding. You're, you're the one place that COVID has had a negative effect on, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. COVID has affected our chapter directly and nobody else. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, as you can imagine, with everywhere, it's been really, really tough. Um, we have we do a lot of fundraising with like in-person events because we like to network and we like to drink a lot of beer. So, you know, lots of alcohol-related events. And with COVID, we can't do any of that. We can't gather. Um, We've been trying to do a lot of online things, but I think people are getting burnt out of online things. So, you know, it's just been a lot of brainstorming. And we've been networking with uh, chapters across the country. Everyone's having the same issues, but it's nice because we're all coming together and being like, hey, this worked for us. Why don't you guys try this? Or we want to try this. We saw you guys doing this. What did you think? Um, So even the conference host, like this year is Toronto, next year is Akron, and then 2024 is Omaha. Like our chapters directly talk to each other all the time and be like, how can we help each other get through this terrible time? So COVID's not doing us any favors, but we are still here, still working. Uh, we still are collecting cans. Our big thing for our chapter specifically is cans for corridors. Um, we're the only chapter. We were the first chapter in the country to do it. I think there might be one or two other ones now um, that collect cans and then recycle them for reforestation in Brazil. So we're still doing that. People are still drinking pop and bringing their cans in. So at least we have that going for us. Well, that's a positive. And and how do you reforest a forest with um, cans? So for every 75 cents we raise, it's one tree. Um, so we take our um, all of our aluminum to City Scrap and Akron, who have been phenomenal partners through this. And we then send all of that money to IPE, which is, it's actually run through Durrell, which is a place in France. And then they work with the association in Brazil and plant corridors. So um, a big problem with uh, deforestation in the rainforest is that there's just chunks of areas of trees left and animals can't go from one to the other because it's just wide open space that's dangerous so they plant corridors from uh, spot to spot and that's what we help with so uh, we've kept track and it's like 10,000 trees or something we've helped replant so far so yeah yeah it's our little shining moment in covid (laughs) 
Very cool. No, I really, really dig that. That's that's awesome. Um, so, okay. So, I think we should get to some animals, animals. before I get yelled at. Um, animals are I, okay, I guess. Yeah, right? no, I know. We can only get to half of the animals now because, okay. you know, yeah, your new position. But, um, all right. So, let's let's play some catch-up first. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, let's talk about some stuff that we talked about before and just get okay. some catch-ups. Okay. Okay. Catch-ups? That sounded like I said Yeah, we'll get some catch-up packets. Yeah, we'll go get some packets we'll of ketchup. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, so obviously the last episode was focused very much on the bears, mm-hmm. Cheyenne and Jackson. Yes. So the first question I have for you is how the heck did you walk away from the loves of your life? You know, <laughs> don't talk about it. Um, it was hard. I bet it hard. was. You know, there's some tears, a lot of tears. I cried many times at work, at home, um, to my manager. <laughs> But, you know, it was the right thing, or the right move for me. And, you know, they, those bears, are they're probably going to be here for another 15, 20 years. And I wasn't, you know, I had to walk away at some point. I wasn't just going to be Jackson Cheyenne's keeper for the next two decades. Um, and yet you also kind of sound <laughs> like you wish you could be when you say that. I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was hard. Um, I definitely obviously grew very close with them, but, um, it's also one of those situations where they recognized me and they knew me very well. And cause I worked, I built a working relationship with them, but for them, I think it was more just a working relationship for me. I was like, I love you more than air, but I don't <laughs> think like, they're fine. The fact that I left, they're fine. They're, that whole team is taking perfect care of them without me. So <laughs> Sure, sure. No, I, I was asking more how, how you handled it for I you. know. Yeah. But, well, that was part of it. I was like, I know they'll be fine. That's fair. If I go. And I didn't leave the zoo. So, like, I still walk by all the time and oh, say yeah. hi and yeah. stuff. So, they're, they're still sometimes there being they even adorable. let me go in there and feed them grapes. Oh, that, that yeah. moment. That moment. Okay. <laughs> so, I am, I get accused all the time of saying the word favorite too frequently because Uh-oh. everything is my favorite. Every animal is my favorite. Every, yeah. Everything is my favorite, you know? But when it comes down to like the top five animal experiences I've had with this podcast, I fed grapes to grizzlies, yo. That's crazy. <laughs> like it's, it's some of the weirder animals and the bigger, like walrus and grizzlies. Yeah. And you know, those are a lot of the moments that really stand out to me as like crazy. It's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting John. Mm. Okay, so um, just in case you haven't heard that episode, or <laughs> let's be honest, uh, even if you have, because it's really adorable, uh, here is some of the audio of me meeting the bears and feeding them grapes. You'll get to hear them eating the grapes, which is just the cutest sound ever. And also, uh, this was with Kristen, so you'll, you'll hear a little more insight into her bears quickly. Um, enjoy. So if you want to give them a couple grapes, you can. That'd be amazing. They'll take it from you right through the fence. What is what is more scary than, than a, feeding a bear a grape, right? <laughs> what a sweetheart. It's like it, you, when you get up close to them, you realize that they're not that terrifying and aggressive and mean. Nothing. I mean, obviously, obviously I'm not going to go in there by no, any right. stretch of the imagination. Um, I think they their playing would be more dangerous than their attacking. Those big wet mouth noises are just so cute. I love these grizzlies so much. I, I get so happy every time I see them. Okay, back to the interview. And for whatever reason, people talk about grizzlies a lot more than than other animals and are very scared of them and everything. Mm -hmm. So that has become one of my like, I'll just hear people randomly, you know, pooping on grizzlies and saying that they're bad and should be shot or anything. And they're so fierce and scary. And I'm like, I fed grapes to grizzlies. It was adorable. And they were ge- they're gentle. They were about so it. gentle. They were so sweet. Yeah. And and you, you you want to stop a room? It's like a record scratch. It's like everyone's like, oh, and these bears, and we need to shoot them dead and blah. And I'm like, so I fed grapes. So sweet. Yeah. And I, my voice always gets really quiet. I'm always like, so um, I had an experience once. Yeah. Where I got to feed some grapes to grizzlies, and it was 
magical. <laughs> it, it is one of those things where anytime it comes up in conversation, it is a, a room silencer, a story topper, a, you know, it just, yeah, it's, it's. Well, I'm glad we good. could create that magic moment for you. So good. So good. <laughs> when I was, when I was listening back to your, your first episode, uh, you know, I have the audio from it on there and it just, I, I just, I could listen to it on repeat. It's the sweetest sounds. It's so good. good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, all right. So good to know that they're doing well and, and all is, all is good up in, in, in Beartown. Beartown's good. Good. Love it. Love it. And, uh, how are the wolves and coyotes doing? Um, so last time we talked, we did not have puppies. No, I know. (laughs) So the red wolf pair that we had last time we talked did end up having puppies, um, we had eight puppies in April, and it was probably the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I do remember you you texted me and were like, this is happening and this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and I was like, you're not going to steal a puppy, right? Right. No, <laughs> no they're trouble. They're... They're mud. They're mud city right now. I would not want that mud city puppy in my house at this fair, point. <laughs> fair, fair. So how are the pups doing? What's the plan? What's tell me all the things. Um, so we still have three of the puppies here. Um, four of them actually are out in the wild. So that is a really awesome thing that like a handful of keepers and zoos get to say that they were a part of. So I'm like, unbelievably humbled by it. Um, so like we, we had our puppies and so our mom wolf Juno is just like this teeny tiny little pixie wolf. She's like on the low, low end for a normal red wolf. And so when she, you know, pooped out eight puppies, (laughs) it was a big shock to us. Um, so we're like, well, first of all, where the heck are we going to have 10 full grown wolves? Cause you know, a lot of the time they stay with their family for a while. Right, yeah. Um, and then just luckily, I don't know, luckily for us or the timing, I don't know what magic of the universe was like, Hey, we just got it approved to start putting wolves back into the wild because it was like a nightmare with federal protection and stuff like that for the wolves in North Carolina. So they were like, we know that you have a lot of pups. Can we foster four of them to a wild wolf mom that just had her own pups? We're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) So um, obviously it was a lot more involved than just like that conversation. <laughs> well, no, right. But I remember I remember all of this happening around the same time, though, because I was reporting for Zoo News about the mm-hmm. fact that the um, North Carolina lawsuit was happening because there's this wonderful reintroduction program. Yes. But people constantly try to stop it because people are weirdly deathly afraid of wolves. And yeah. there's so many stories that I, I've shared about, you know, wolves outside of Yellowstone. Like, they wander outside of the park boundaries mm-hmm. and they're immediately killed. Mm-hmm. Or the new Idaho laws that basically say if you see a wolf you're legally required to kill it i'm kidding but only kind of i hate that law so much yeah um and there are all these issues and and so i remember that like i think i knew i forget if i knew the wolves were pregnant or if it was literally like back to back that first they announced that the law you know that the the reintroduction was allowed to start happening again and then you told me about the wolves i forget what the order was I, but it was like bang bang yeah that all happened like really close around the same yeah. time and that's yeah. why i was saying it was like some gift from the so universe cool. that it all so was cool coordinated out so well so and then is this the am i remembering correctly from what i've read that the way that the reintroduction works is they literally they know where the the wild wolf dens are Mm -hmm. and they wait till the mom goes out to hunt and they just like drop the pups in and then watch to make sure that she accepts them am i remembering this right or more or less that's kind of what happened so they track the dens um but they try not to disturb them too much so that they don't move them before but they can put the pups in there um, and then when mom leaves, they will take the pups right there. They kind of rub the other puppies on them. Right, right. So they're like, yes. hey, you may have missed these other ones that were there the whole time. Um, <laughs> and then they, they'll leave completely. Um, and then they will go back later and see. Um, so in this case, when they went back, the mom had 
taken that she'd moved to den but she took all of the pups like there wasn't anything left behind so that was a good like oh these are all my puppies i need to move all of them right, not right. like i don't know what that is but <laughs> so. so my new dream job i just realized is wolf puppy rubber <laughs> okay just taking taking a wild pup and a captive pup and just <laughs> yep yep that is that was probably that some extreme cuteness yeah i mean come on yeah come on. but it was that day was crazy because we you know they can't they're babies they can't be away from a mom for too long so we had to come in that morning get them all together you know do quick like health checks we microchipped them and um then we drove them straight to a private jet they flew directly to north carolina and then they drove from there to the den like it was all very short time and it was that's a Long way to go. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's amazing the efforts that go into Have you ever flown on a private jet? No. Nor have I, weirdly. Elena, have you flown on No? No? Weird. <laughs> there are three of us in this room, none of whom have flown on a private jet. But wolf pups. Wolf but pups they got have, to. Yeah. 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 Well, it was kind of funny because um, my manager drove the pups in his car and then we followed behind him because he was he got to go in the private jet mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but i was like eric you have 20 20 percent of the wild population in your car right now oh so you better drive gosh. carefully <laughs> oh my gosh that's so like that's how we think about it like single-handedly that's how much of an increase our pups had to the wild population so ugh, it's just the whole thing's crazy. Have I mentioned how proud of the Akron Zoo I am? I don't, I don't know if I have. That's, that's just astonishing. That's so good. Um, and then the last ketchup-y thing that mm-hmm. I wanted to do, because, again, we're on ketchup packets here, ketchup is, packet. um, is to ask you about how's Wild Asia going and anything new and exciting over there. Wink. Um, yeah, Wild Asia's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wild Asia's going great. Um, so from carnivore side of things, uh, we have our two tigers. They're doing great. Both love their habitats. Um, pandas, obviously, so cute. So cute. We're out when great. I went there today. Very sad about that. <laughs> Hoping they will be later. Oh my gosh, those pandas—they're spoiled. Oh know? yeah. Oh, I mean, their whole their whole setup there is insane. And I was, yeah. I was trying to look into the little hidden back lots and stuff that I know are back there. Yeah. And um, I still didn't see them, but I'm sure I. Will. They're probably They'll like. Come out. Oh my God, he's coming. Run away. <laughs> I, hear, I hear people run. <laughs> got to gotta keep our uh, audience wanting more. <laughs> um, but then our current crown jewel of Wild Asia, we have a tiny, tiny little baby. Uh, Gibbon baby was just born on December 9th because I guess that I we had a poll on who was, was uh, going to, when she was going to give birth. And I was like way early. Like by a week, and I still won. That's Woo-hoo. amazing. So I will always remember that forever, but not important. Um, <laughs> the yeah, the baby's doing really well. Um, I have only seen it once, and that's okay because you know whatever mom needs to do to take care of it. So, um, it's kind of funny looking though. It's gotten cuter, I think. <laughs> like I just saw it today. When and I saw it, it was still very new. Yeah. So it was kind of just like this little bundle of weird. But now he's getting like a little bit of fluffiness, looking yeah. around more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely much cuter. Yeah, there is some cuteness happening now. Yeah. And I, I did get a good view, which was nice because I know that's not always easy. Um, good. And so male or female? We don't know. Um, so when they are born, they are born with that blonde fur. Um, and then that'll change color depending on sex as they grow older. But right now, I mean, Parker has just been hanging on to it and we haven't gotten hands on it at all. So we don't know. Okay. And, um, so if, if you don't know, uh, that, then can you at least tell me the name? Um, we don't have that either. All right, podcast over. This sucks. No, I'm kidding. But uh, you are it's, doing something special. It's going to be name, gender right? neutral. Like you know, it's probably going to be named like Alex or Chris. You know. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. But um, and and you are doing something special for the name, right? Uh, that's a great question. That I don't have the answer to. A naming contest. We are perhaps naming that will be launching soon. Perhaps yes. tomorrow. We, perhaps except I'm not putting this out live. So maybe be putting. <laughs> 
a naming contest out tomorrow, which is the past in the future. Yes, yes. In, in <laughs> oh, whoa, this is this is getting into like some weird Marvel timeline thing. <laughs> but today is the 11th, so on the 12th, there will be a, uh, a naming contest, and um, I will post appropriate things, and you can go and vote for a name. Or depending on when this comes out, you may have already gone and voted for a name. Either way, yeah. I'm going to help you all vote for a name. And um, I'm also going to ask, once once the list is officially together, I'm going to ask Kristen what she wants it to be. And then we're all going to vote for that one and try Perfect. and tip it in her favor. Perfect. So that'll be, that'll be good. Um, all right. So tell me about your birds. All of them. Birds. Go. In alphabetical order, please. No, oh, kidding. God. <laughs> Give me like a 10-second pause here. Um, so Birdland is really cool in its own way, obviously. Carnivore and bird is extremely different. Yes. Um, but Birdland is cool because everything within Birdland itself is extremely different. Um, okay, I have to interrupt you just for one second. I'm sorry. Do you know that there's a insanely famous jazz tune called Birdland? No. And also a club that was called that. Okay, so as you're talking about Birdland, all I can hear is the song, and I'm so happy. I actually got to play it in high school. It's a whole thing. That's but, awesome. But anyway, but yeah, so tell me about Birdland. But I'm probably the only person here who calls it Birdland anyway, so, you know, we can just roll with it. Yeah, no, I love it. I love um, it. So we have a wide variety of birds. We have, um, so we have our Humboldt penguin colony, which love, I could talk about them alone for an hour. And we also have, uh, you know, no, 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 no. Do you think I'm going to let you talk and say, Hey, we have penguins and then not tell us about the penguins. Come on. Tell me about the penguins. Well, I figured we'd circle back. Nah, my memory's not very good. So let's um, just hit them So down. we have 18 humbled penguins. Um, I actually used to be one of the main um, penguin keepers for five-ish years. Took like my two-year specialized carnivore time off. Now I'm back with the penguins. So nice, nice. it's really great. But I've been playing catch up because I don't know if anybody's talked about penguins before on this podcast, but it is nonstop drama in penguin world. It's just like a soap opera daily. Um, especially now we are at the beginning of breeding season. So fighting, keeping track of who's with who, are they allowed to be with them? And it's just. They're just like little people. Did you see that the Kyoto Aquarium in Japan actually has a flow chart that shows like yes. all of, yeah, it's really impressive. All the so, drama and all of the love and all of the breakups and all of that. Yeah. When I started on Penguin years ago, I had to make flashcards, first of all. And then I had to make a family tree and be like, what, who's related to who? Who is dating who? Who is married to who? Because, you know, peng- they say penguins mate for life. Eh, that's not always true. No. Just like in humans, it's not always true. Some penguins are solid. Like, they are married. They celebrated their golden anniversary. Other penguins are like, I'm with you, but also with her. So, <laughs> drama. Yeah. <laughs> and you got, you, y'all literally track all of that. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, um, penguins are also part of SSPs, Species Survival Programs. So, um, we do track all the genetics there. So, we have to know who is with who. Um, especially because, um, like we were casually talking about earlier, we have some pairs that are mildly incesty and, you know, we don't always want them. We don't want those genetics. So how do you handle that? How do you, how do you stop, um, you know, some, some incestuous love from happening in a penguin colony? Um, so we do try to like physically separate them sometimes. Um, we had a brother sister pair for a while, we actually brought in another pair of penguins to like pair them off. And we have these wonderful off exhibit rooms in our penguin building. And we were able to turn those into like honeymoon suites. And we had them separately in their pairs for 30 days and they were getting along great. And we're like, okay, seems good. Let's put them back with the colony. And then immediately the brother and sister were like, I've missed you so much. And they're like, would not, separate again so um and then in that case like if they do lay eggs we swap them out and give them dummy eggs so they can just take care of a piece of wood for a while and not know about it um and then yeah it's i mean it's it's always gonna happen it's just moderating right no makes sense because it it happens in the wild yeah just yeah makes sense um cool so um anything else about the penguins before we move on to other flappy things um I don't know. There's so many penguin things. <laughs> um, we do have two babies. 
out there. Uh, the penguin chicks, they are full size, but they don't have like the black band across their chest. Um, so that's how you can tell them apart. But personality wise, the babies always crack me up because they're like trying to figure out life and they're not fully parent raised. So like when they get big enough to fledge, like when they start growing in their actual feathers and not poof ball feathers, um, the parents are like, bye. <laughs> they like will physically kick them out of their nest. Wow. So they're just kind of figuring out life on their own. And so we have a boy and a girl and the girl is so sweet, but I swear there's like not a lot going on upstairs. She's just like staring at bugs and like <laughs> standing outside. And then the other one, he is starting to get some of his boy feelings in. So he is like, sometimes he's like, I really just want to flirt with you. And other times he's like, I want to kill your shoe. So <laughs> <laughs> they just think they, they crack me up. They're a bunch of weirdos. So everywhere. they really are just like little humans because everything you just described are people that I know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Including the guys that are yeah. like, sometimes I want to flirt with you and sometimes I just want to kill your shoe. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, but it happens. Lots of personality over yeah. there. <laughs> nice, nice, cool. So what other birds are you taking care of? Um, so we do have a variety of exotic and native. Um, we actually have the largest collection of native songbirds in the country, which is really cool. Um, a lot of people are like, oh my God, it's just a cardinal. But like, if you go in there, it's, it's really cool because there are so many birds in there that I had no idea that were native to Ohio until I started working in there. Nice. Um, and then... Even the tiny, tiny little songbirds, they each have personality too. So it's really cool because they're so overlooked because they're so not novel. Um, but then like once you spend time in there, it's like a dream to live in that aviary because it's just like peaceful and there's water running and the birds are singing. So i very underrated part of the zoo, if you ask me. But um, then we have... A few different kinds of owls. We have our flamingos. Uh, we have our two crazy hyacinth macaws. Um, let's see. We have we have all kinds of stuff. We have so many waterfowl. We are the duck zoo. <laughs> and I actually love it because our minor league baseball team is the Akron Rubber Ducks. And I would like to say that they did that because we have so many ducks at our zoo probably didn't but they come here and like do rubber ducks things so they sponsor a waterfowl pond oh wow that's so exciting you know, i knew that now you say that because there's a <laughs> sign on the fence that says it yeah <laughs> we're on the same page now nice, nice. um but what was i saying oh yeah and so we do a lot of um waterfowl breeding which is really cool um i know one year we hatched out like 52 uh baby ducks and geese and that was bananas because normally really it's cool. like less than 10 um and we also have a baby condor right now really yes oh my goodness that's awesome um, he is such a special boy and this is our first time hatching a condor here we've tried for years and they're very they they're very specialized like they need a lot of particular parameters and um so super exciting to finally hatch one out because normally to hatch out a condor um it's taken to san diego because that's where they do all of right, their yeah. releasing um but we're like you know what we're just gonna try to hatch it here because maybe give it our best chance to not take it on an airplane um and yeah, first first little baby. That's amazing. Um, I was I'd hatched before I was on bird team, but they did a phenomenal job with um all of it cuz it was nothing we anybody here had ever dealt with and right, they did a right. great job. But now I'm on bird team and I get to, you know, take care of him as a juvenile where he's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that is the coolest. That yeah. is the coolest. Um are there any conservation organizations you want to give a shout out to? Um, so I was thinking about this when we talked yesterday, um, since I'm on bird team now, I really wanted to highlight the lights out program Okay. that, um, well, Akron does it off and on with COVID. It's been very challenging, but Cleveland is still really big. Um, my friend Tim Jasinski runs the one in uh, Cleveland and he is probably the most phenomenal person in the entire universe. He is a rehabber at Lake Erie Nature Science Center. So if you ever want a bird person to talk to. He's your guy. Hook it up. Um, but 
yeah, they go around downtown Cleveland and get birds that have struck windows because um, birds get lost in city skylines because it looks like the night sky at night. And so they'll hit glass and fall to the sidewalk. And as you can imagine, a lot of them don't survive, but a lot of them do. And they go around to recover them. And um, the ones actually that do survive but have chronic issues, we actually have some of them here in our aviary. Okay. So we are like a place for them to spend their lives if they probably can't survive in the wild. Um, but they also, like not only are they collecting birds, but they really push for getting cities to turn their uh, building lights off at night. And they actually have made great headway. Like a lot of big buildings now don't have lights on at night. And this is starting to be across the country. I know there's um, programs in other cities with lights out. So really wanted to draw that up because I think it's really important. That's awesome. I love that. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. Hit me. Oh my gosh, poop story. Poop story. Well, I can't, I would, couldn't come up with like a specific one, but I wanted to say that the amount of poop between Carnival Land and Birdland has like tripled. <laughs> I was like, you think of Carnivore poop and it's just like so big and oh my gosh. But like, there's just like a pile or a couple piles a day. But you go to Bird and it's like everything is covered with poop all the time and you're always touching it because it's on your stuff and it's always so wet so like <laughs> the amount of poop i went from really big animals to just like tons of poop so <laughs> yeah i'm very i'm very close with the poop now so your life is the poop story poop story yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome well thank you so much for doing this <laughs> yeah of course well there you have it folks Kristen is awesome the akron zoo is awesome birds are awesome everything's awesome i would say that should be a song but it already is from the lego movie so cool you can check out the akron zoo at akron zoo on social media and akronzoo.org on the interwebs and you can check out an all-new episode of Zoo News dropping on Friday, just like it always does right here in this feed. So uh, make sure that you're subscribed and make sure that you're hanging out and, and doing all the things and spreading the word and helping Rasafari grow. Uh, because, you know, I have to put up with a lot to, to have this out there. I have, I have people sending me pictures of dinner. So uh, the struggle is real? Question mark? Anyway, folks, uh, you know, final reminder, the word credits backwards is, in fact, Stiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.